Hi, this is Kenya Koviak, and welcome to my magical cottagecore life. Today, since I have heard that the herbal information is what you'd like right now for your book of stuff, as you're preparing to pick what you want in your garden this year, I'm going to ask you to take out your big book of stuff, talk about one of my favorite plants. It's beautiful. It's a perennial. This plant can cure sickness as a home remedy. I am not a doctor. And it's something that's good for bruising, so it's topical and internal. Again, I am not a doctor. And it has really pretty flowers. I also use it in honeys, in teas, and for spiritually cleansing baths, as well as other purposes. So let's say hi to Hyssop. Hyssop officinalis. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's get started. Hyssop is one of those herbs that people have heard about for centuries, but there are some little quirks and things about it you may not know. For those who have read certain texts such as the Bible, or the older texts or newer texts associated with that book, you may be familiar with washing yourself with hyssop to be clean. The reason for that is because this herb has been associated with purification for an extremely long time. Not only that, but it is found almost around the world for this purpose. Almost. I didn't say everywhere. I just said almost. So today I want to talk about a few ways that you can use it. And we're going to separate each one of those ways by segments. So the first part that I want to talk about is as a cleansing bath. Now I did an episode earlier about cleansing baths, so I would like to get a little bit more into it. Hyssop has a higher spiritual vibration. And when you make a cleansing bath, there's a little bit of a different feel, to me at least, when you make it entirely of the flowers or if you include the leaves and flowers together. It just feels slightly different. So if you're doing it for some heavy work, I recommend both. If it's a lighter work, I would say maybe just the flowers. To be able to make this difference, of course, you'd need to be able to grow it and gather it when it's convenient for you. Growing hyssop is not difficult, but you have to decide if you're going to do it from seed or if you're going to do it from transplant. I'm just gonna say, Reichters in Canada R-I-C-H-T-E-R apostrophe S has excellent hyssop plugs that you can purchase for shipping. And a plus is they won't ship them to you until the weather where you are would be most conducive to starting there. Also an Eastern Market in Michigan in downtown Detroit off Russell Street, they also have a vendor who sells hyssop. You can find it in many places, but make sure you look for hyssop officinalis because there is an anise hyssop 
that tastes and smells like licorice, and that's not what we're talking about here. The next way I'd like to talk about preparing hyssop is for bruising. You know, those minor bumps and bruises you might get when you're foraging through the woods or frolicking with, with the lambs and the dangerous cobra chicken from Canada comes and gets you. Of course, I'm talking about Canadian geese. They're here. They're everywhere. And they're dangerous. Oh, anyway, so... The thing about bruising is, it happens to almost everyone. Always check to see if you're allergic to a plant as well before you use it. I almost forgot that. But one of the folk remedies you can use hyssop officinalis for is to actually make a poultice of it. And we'll talk about making poultices later. You can look this up and learn how to do it. But you can make a poultice with it and put it on the bruised area. And it will help with healing. You could mix it with mugwort, of course. But that's on you. You know, I'm not a doctor. I can't stress that enough. But you can definitely do that. You can also submerge and infuse some witch hazel over a few weeks or a month or two with hyssop officinalis for the same purpose. And then use that witch hazel to help with bruising as well. As you know, witch hazel itself has certain curative powers. In addition to this, you could also go from a poultice all the way up to a salve if you wanted s-a-l-v-e but it's up to you and any blends you use again you want to make sure you know the properties of the plants and if you're allergic and proceed with your own risk okay let's go to the next part not going to get into how to make a salve right now but I am going to say that if you mix hyssop with plantain the little spire plant that little weed that everywhere is around and you mix it together with the plantain and you could even put mugwort but not in this case I would say arnica you could make a really kick butt ointment make sure you put this in your book of stuff and I would highly recommend experimenting with the ratios and seeing how that works for you. And I know everyone says you should use beeswax or coconut oil or cocoa butter to make these kinds of things, but not everybody has access to that. So from me to you, this is something that will work, but don't tell everybody because people get all snooty. You can make a salve with lip balm. You really can. It's not super duper pure hippy dippy, but we're not doing hippy dippy, we're doing practical cottage core. And lip balm can may be made from all kinds of things and it's accessible. And I'm just gonna tell you, cottage core is not always for the people who have the cash. So this way you can grow your garden, grow your herbs, grow your remedies, and still keep it accessible for you to make stuff. All right, that's just from me to you. It worked for me, it might work for you. I've even done it in baby oil and made ointments and unguents and oils just by putting things in baby oil. And I know that that's based in the petroleum community and industry, but I live in the city and I grew up in Detroit itself. So I use what I have. 
I also have access to beeswax, but sometimes I don't feel like doing that. You be you and do what you have to do. And hyssop is really good at adapting to all kinds of ways to use it. Moving on from there, I used to work in a medical massage office and the owner there was not just a medical massage therapist, which there's no just to that, but he was also a doctor in his old country of Ukraine and he got horribly ill and he just, it was so sad. And I happened to bring in hyssop one day. I was talking about it with a coworker. And he said, this sounds like something I'm familiar with, but he didn't know the English word for it. So I bring it in and make a tea and he just starts gulping it down. He says, do you have any more? And I just whip out this big basket because I was actually tying bundles of hyssop to dry at the front desk when no one was in the office. And that's when he really just got super excited. His eyes got huge. So he was making pot upon pot of it. And his is not necessarily the most pleasant tasting tea, but he was just making it in the, the, the electric kettle by potfuls. And within a couple days, he felt so much better. And he wrote the word down because in the old country where he came from, they use hyssop as a home remedy so this shows you it's not just a western use it is a very established use for a tea especially when you have a stubborn cold or cough again this is by no means a substitution for medical advice proceed at your own risk but i know in this house we use it and when i make home remedies for my neighbor um i'm gonna tell you it's one of the first things i put in is that hyssop and it works very well Another thing hyssop is good for is if you do decide to make an unguent, you could use lard or any kind of fat. If you are not into animal products, you could use vegetable shortening, of course, or coconut oil. But not everybody can touch coconut, so you want to be careful when you do that. Or even cocoa butter. You can add hyssop to it, as well as golden seal and arnica to help with your joints. You can also just put these things into witch hazel as well. And I do recommend this. It helps with joint pain for me. I can't tell you what it will do for you. And it's just another way the hyssop can serve you and you can serve the spirit of the plant. It's offering itself to you to be used this way. But there's something else I want to talk about that's just as important as talking about all the ways to use hyssop in order to heal ourselves and in order to treat our aches and pains and to treat our common maladies and our home remedies. And that's really important that I'm going to talk about next. So the next thing we want to talk about is healing garden itself, as far as a healing energy and vibe in the garden. You know, you don't always have to take from a plant. Just let it grow and be beautiful. It's a gorgeous color. Uh, it's a bluish purple to some people. It depends on the nutrients of your soil, exactly how much blue and purple it has in it. And don't argue with me. I see the color as I see it. And I'm telling you, 
plant conditions do change with the soil conditions. You know, it is what it is. But it's gorgeous in the garden. And if it's planted next to sage, and I mean sage vulgaris, the common sage, salvia vulgaris, you know, um, not the salvia, but the regular sage. Yeah, it is a salvia. The regular sage, common garden sage. Then what winds up happening is that you have this beautiful forest of bluish purple depending on the sage you got and it's just it's just gorgeous it really is um another thing you want to remember is that sometimes gardens are planted just for peace they're planted to give rabbits places to hide they're planted for the crickets to hang out in they're planted for toads to wander around and hop through or frogs to leap through it's okay to plant things for beauty's sake and that's one of the plants that really really brings a garden together it just has a charm of all its own and it's a beautiful plant for sketching as well you can also make bundles of it to hang into your home for a homey feel as well as protection but just remember don't shock the plant don't cut the whole thing off except at the end of the year and another thing tending this plant this plant is meant to be tended, so if you don't want it to get overly woody at the bottom, you want to make sure you keep it trimmed and keep it pruned at the end of the year so it doesn't become unmanageable and doesn't become weird and sparse. We did cultivate it in such a way that it does like to be trimmed. Some things have to be trimmed in order to, th to thrive and to survive well. So hyssop is one of those plants. If you let the seeds drop, you'll eventually start getting hyssop in your garden that is a volunteer plant. And that's always a beautiful thing. Don't be stingy. If you have enough baby plants, give some away so they can grow and live up to their potential. Give them to neighbors. Or plant them in certain areas that are not invasive, uh, where they wouldn't harm it, and just let them thrive. You know, a neighborhood full of hyssop, that would be a great and fabulous find. Okay, so I guess there's one more thing. And that would be eating hyssop. You know, you can eat this plant. It is tasty, not just in tea. You can eat hyssop. Hyssop flowers can be used like lavender flowers as far as you can put them into cookies. You can make hyssop honey. You can make hyssop sugar. You can make hyssop vinegar and liqueur. These things are fun and great projects to do with children. You can also make hyssop butter. It's a pretty color. And if you're having a garden party, making herbal and flower butters is something that people would love to engage in most of the time. It's something different and it's something fun. We're not gonna get really deep off into or deeply into making a hyssop pasta but you literally can embed flowers in pasta so when you make your own noodles you would basically basically kind of like window pane them in the middle and you make this really beautiful floral pasta and it's gorgeous so maybe on another episode we'll get into making flower pastas i'm, I'm not sure when we'll do that so i guess the next step would be The farewell because I think we've talked enough about hyssop for your big book of stuff today if you have a chance 
if you're artistically inclined, maybe uh, get a hyssop plant or from your planting catalog or a page from a botanical book or, you know, download it, put it in your book. Or if you are artistically inclined, like I was saying, maybe sketch it or watercolor it for your book of stuff. It's just something that would be really fun. If you can find hyssop tea, remember we talked about that in another episode. Teas are not always actually teas. It's a tea if it has tea leaves in it from the tea plant, but if not, it's a tisane. So that would just be the, the plant itself. So if you can find it online, go ahead. But I want to caution you, whenever you buy things online, there's always the chance that there's additives you don't know about. When we grow our own herbs and grow our own teas and tisanes, if you grow tea plants, then what you know is you know what went into that plant, you know the spirit of that plant, you've grown, you've watched it grow, it's watched you grow, and you have a vibe. So consider growing it yourself to know that what you're getting is what you're asking for. I really had a good time talking to you about this, and I hope you did too. I love talking with my friends, and we're friends, right? So, you know, maybe this will be something you're into for your garden if you're planning a garden. And also you can grow hyssop indoors in pots as well. Just keep it trimmed because it really wants to get big really, really fast. Make sure it's not root bound and give it plenty of love. Okay, so I guess that's it. That's goodbye for now. And thank you and I'll see you next time on My Magical Cottagecore Life.